Welcome to Outside by Design, the podcast about the business side of creativity in the outdoor industry. I talk to some of our industry's finest leaders, entrepreneurs, freelancers, and creatives about crafting a life and a career based upon being outside. What's up, all my brand managers and marketing managers and writers and photographers, creative people who live their lives outside? Welcome to Outside by Design. Um, I just got back from Rome Bike Fest last night, late last night, and I'm pretty tired today. Um, And it was like 80 degrees in Sedona, and now I'm like wearing a puffy and a beanie, and it's like 37 degrees in Montana today. So quite the temperature difference, but Rome Bike Fest was incredible and you're going to want to go next year if you are a lady who loves mountain biking. Um, Today's a cool episode. Today I'm talking to Rachel Vandevoort. She's the director of Montana's Office of Outdoor Recreation and Rachel's just a really really smart human being and I totally see why she's in the position she is in to grow new opportunities within outdoor rec. Um, She's just crazy crazy smart. Um, so I hope you enjoy this podcast. We get into how to vote in Montana and what's going on in Montana's primaries that people should be aware of and, and, you know, some challenges that are specific to Montana, like access to resources. And this is a pretty cool one. And I think I made a new friend. It's funny, Rachel, her office is right down the street from our office in Whitefish, but we have never met each other in person. So, uh, you know, pretty, pretty small world it is but please enjoy. Hey, Rachel, thank you so much for being here today on Outside by Design. Well, thank you for having me on and um, nice to meet you, neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. So the first question we always ask everybody is to tell us where you are. And this is particularly funny because we're in the same city or town. Yeah. Do So do I get to like describe like where I'm sitting right now or just tell you like where I am in the United States? Both. <laughs> well, okay. I can do this. Um, so I am in my office in Whitefish, Montana. Um, Montana being the coolest state ever and Whitefish being the coolest town ever said from girl that was born here. And, um, I am in my office and my office is the office of outdoor recreation for the state of Montana. And in my office, I am surrounded by maps. Um, I love maps and I love whiteboards. So when you come into my office, you just see all these like maps of Montana, public lands of the West and like whiteboards with crazy scribbles all over it. That sounds really nerdy and cool at the same time. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so I know that you're the director of Montana's Office of Outdoor Recreation, um, but can you tell our audience like what you do and what that means? And um, yeah, I know it's a pretty new position to the state of Montana. Yeah, it's it's very new. So Montana was the fourth state in the United States to develop or create an Office of Outdoor Recreation. Uh, governor Steve Bullock, he is our second term governor, really good guy to have as a boss. Um, he created this when he ran for re-election in the 2017 um, election cycle, um, 16. And um, I was appointed in September of 2017, and I have now been in office for about one year. 
And the in Montana, every state, there's now nine states that have offices of outdoor recreation. Um, we're all created a little bit differently. We're all housed kind of in different places. Some of us are more similar to each other than others. Um, but in Montana, um, my position was created in the governor's office. So I'm appointed by the governor and I was asked to work towards growing and enhancing the outdoor recreation economy in Montana. And I'm in the governor's office and in the office of economic development within the governor's office. So that's kind of a summary, a very high level summary of, uh, what the office is in Montana. Wow. So how did you get to this point of like, I know you were born in Whitefish and now you're here doing this. So how, what happened in between so much? Um, yeah, I think as with any good story, it doesn't, um, follow a good path. (laughs) Like, I mean, like a linear path. (laughs) I don't know about anybody else, but, uh, gosh, quick rundown of me born in Whitefish, grew up pretty outdoorsy, loved to hunt, loved to fish, rafting, um, total river rat as a kid growing up. So super outdoorsy, went to school, uh, University of Montana and got a degree in resource conservation, watershed management and fisheries. And when it was time to graduate, uh, all my professors were like, Oh, we found you some really amazing jobs in Kansas and Oklahoma. And I was like, Whoa, I don't do those States. I do Montana. Um, I grew up with like a crazy, crazy, like sense of place as far as Montana goes. And it just became my number one priority to stay here. And so I was like, well, heck with it. I'll do whatever it takes, you know, to make a living and stay in the state. Um, I wasn't willing to really go out and, and they were like, well, you know, you're gonna have to work part-time forever to find a full-time job because everybody wants to be in Montana, you know, doing this. So finding a full-time job is really hard. I was like, well, well, I'll figure it out. Um, one thing led to another, and I just started working in the outdoor recreation industry. And um, I worked in um, the ski industry for a lot of years and kind of the adventure rafting and fly fishing industry. I was also, of course, like a dirtbag river guide and fly fishing guide through college. And um, then after I had two kiddos, I was re-entering the workforce after about a three-year break, um, worked part-time through that, doing sales and marketing work. And started working for a firearms manufacturer. Um, firearms manufacturer is actually Kimber Manufacturing. It's based on the East Coast. And there's a remote office in Kalispell, Montana, that houses customer service, sales, part of engineering, and part of marketing. So I'd always been an avid recreation shooter, competition shooter, and hunter. So I was like, oh, I could totally sell guns. And then um, after eight years there, I was actually a trade relations manager um, for the company. Uh, then governor Bullock, I read in the paper was creating an office of outdoor recreation. I had no idea what that meant. Um, but it sounded amazing. I was not really involved. I w- I've never worked for the government. I'm not involved in politics. I'm not, I don't really follow it, but it really caught my eye. And I was like, wow, office of outdoor recreation, working for the outdoor recreation industry. That's amazing. I could probably do something like that. One thing led to another and here I am. That's so cool. So cool. So what uh, what exactly does it mean to grow new opportunities within outdoor recreation? Like, what does that what does that look like? And what does that mean? Yeah, well, for me in the state, and as we've created this office, so growing and enhancing the outdoor recreation industry and the outdoor recreation economy um, are related, but they're a little different. So I'm kind of defining the outdoor recreation industry as that core group of businesses that are um, manufacturing the goods, the gear, and the experiences around outdoor recreation. So whether it's a ski manufacturer, firearms manufacturer, or a guide or an outfitter providing those experiences, 
um, working to support those businesses, working to help start up new businesses, support those exist that exist, and then recruit other businesses um, from out of state. So again, really core business development and offering you know, um, to, to help that segment of the industry within the state. And then the larger economy on the whole, um, uh, as it relates to outdoor recreation economy, you know, that provide, you know, it's a, a whole economy that surrounds that. So um, tourism in state or out of state, um, resident, non-resident travel, and then everything that um, revolves around that. So as we're talking, the development of these offices, you know, came out of this conversation where, Understanding that outdoor recreation, um, it is an economic powerhouse within, you know, not just the state, but across the U.S. And over the years, we've gotten better economic data that talks jobs and tax dollars and, you know, um, contributions to the economy, just like we talk about any other segment of the economy. So now that we've got statistics from states, we've got now the federal government um, producing, you know, the Bureau of Economic uh, analysis talking about how outdoor recreation contributes 2.2% to the GDP. Um, you know, we're really talking about our segment of the world in the same apples to apples talk that everyone else talks about the economy. Um, and so also talking about that, you talk about, you know, if we're um, an important part of the economy and our industry relies on certain um, infrastructure, just like any uh, industry relies on, what is the infrastructure that's super important to our industry, right? And that's the um, land, the water, and the access to that um, land and water that's super important to the industry. And so um, supporting the outdoor recreation infrastructure in the state is very important. And if we're talking about the infrastructure, it's not just, you know, the roads that get to the campgrounds, that get to the trailheads. Um, it's also the habitat that surrounds all those trails. So that is the unique um, infrastructure that supports our segment of the industry. Wow. That's a, that's a lot. Um, and how can people, <laughs> <laughs> um, and what are like, what are some challenges that you feel are specific to Montana? Because I know you've mentioned that every state has its own thing going on and you're not facing the same challenges in your position that like Luis Benitez in Colorado faces. Like what, what's so specific to Montana in your opinion? Um, you know, for as much as we definitely, um, have nuanced, um, kind of nuanced issues that we deal with actually on the broad scheme of things, we all work very similar, um, together, as far as like the things that we work on, we actually, as states, uh, I would say we have more in common to things we're trying to accomplish and achieve than probably differences. But in Montana, you know, we're just at a different time and a different place than a lot of other states. Um, you know, for example, you know, Colorado, if you want to talk about what's the difference there is, you know, Colorado has experienced enormous population growth, um, especially on the front range. And to see, you know, where Colorado is and, working with that growth and how it's affected the outdoor recreation um, opportunities around the state. And then, you know, in turn, how, you know, those outdoor recreation um, opportunities are affecting, you know, local economies and how they're dealing with population growth. So, you know, they're at a bit different space and time than Montana is. We do have population growth and we have a growing economy, but it's growing at a much more 
um, stable pace. And so we're just, you know, like for me, for example, I want to make sure that, you know, a lot of outdoor recreation businesses and a lot of other businesses are attracted to Montana because of our outdoor way of life. Um, over 80% of Montanans feel that outdoor recreation is really an essential part of who they are and what they do. And so as more people, you know, come here, we want to make sure how do we um, maintain those opportunities and support those and steward them um, as best we can to make sure we don't lose our way of life. That's cool. Are you tired of paying car insurance one place, health insurance another, how home insurance, renter's insurance, all these types of insurances in all these different places? Wouldn't it be nice if you could bundle something? Well, I know something cool to bundle. A website with a logo. You should call our friends at wheeliecreative.com. They're a creative agency for people who thrive outside, and they believe that life should be lived, felt, and shouted from mountaintops. That's the strategy that they bring into everything. While we might not know anything about bundling insurance, we know a lot about bundling love, strategy, and results into one giant branding package that'll get your business results. You might be thinking, Lisa, isn't Wheelie Creative your company? Isn't that your creative agency that you started 10 years ago? Sure is, but I'm paying Iris to edit the podcast and Wheelie Creative is what sponsors this podcast, so you get to hear the ads about it wheeliecreative.com. We don't bundle insurance, but we do bundle other things. Um, As a local business here in Whitefish, we hire people from all over the country and bring people into Montana to come work here. And I'm always surprised by the fact that a lot of people are like, Whitefish, what? And they have to Google it. You know, and it's still kind of off the radar. Yep. Yeah, um, that's okay. You can continue to tell people that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that's the thing is, you know, a lot of people, um, there are a lot of areas kind of around, I know in the ski industry for sure, you know, I worked here and we've got Big Mountain here, well, Whitefish Mountain Resort and Big Mountain. And you look at that from like the skiing perspective and growing up here, I totally took this mountain for granted, but it's actually, I think like the 12th largest ski hill in North America is literally in our backyard. And a lot of people don't know that. And that's really because we're not a stopover. Like we're not on the way to anything and we don't live any near any major metropolitan areas. Right. Um, and so we are just a one step off the beaten path. And so while it might be super easy to fly into, you know, Denver or fly into Salt Lake and hop out and ski there, you have one more flight and you get to whitefish. So while it takes a little extra effort to discover it, once you discover it, it's like, Holy cow, this is amazing. It really is. I got here, my car died here six years ago, and I just stayed. (laughs) That's amazing. That's an awesome story. Yeah, it's kind of embarrassing, but I rolled up to Flathead Lake, and it was kind of dark, and I was so confused because I hadn't even Googled Whitefish. I didn't know where I was going. I thought I was driving to Canada, and then uh, the light was hitting Flathead Lake really nicely outside of Pulson, and I like was so confused coming from Colorado where we don't have water like that, and I was like, am I? I was just in Missoula. There's no way I'm in Oregon. Like, am I at the coast? I was so confused. (laughs) Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Like for you, so you said you were like, I was driving through on my way to Canada and all of a sudden I saw this place and I was like, holy cow. Yep. Um, That's like a common story. Yeah. 
that's like the way my husband's family ended up here. They thought that they were going to go to Canada and they're like, oh my gosh, this is a place, place is amazing. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. It's, it's a really uh, special place. I think. I would tend to agree. I'm a rabid fan. Absolutely. Um, and so a lot of our listeners here at Outside by Design do work in the outdoor industry, a lot of times on the brand side or editorial. Um, you know, So in your opinion, what can brands do to help support all these Office of Outdoor Recreation you know, missions? And how, how, can, how, can brand, how, can, how can we make a change on the brand level to support what you guys are doing? Oh, gosh. Um, so on the brand level, actually, um, this is actually a specific topic um, coming up for a panel discussion that I'm having at the Business of Outdoor Recreation Summit. And um, the, the thing that I really love for brands and businesses to do is, you know, find your voice and be involved. Um, they're, you know, be involved in, you know, important issues and find that voice around either public lands or conservation or something, you know, that's super important to a brand. Um, And we're trying to, you know, help brands, you know, find that voice, you know, how, you know, how can you comfortably step up and talk about something you care about? And when you say it out, when I say it out like out loud like that, I think it's ridiculous. (laughs) I'm just like, Oh my God, like we should just be automatically doing that. But I think there's so many brands that, you know, in the outdoor recreation space where, and actually it's anywhere, like people are so afraid to offend somebody and, you know, get involved. And really, I think that it should be just the opposite. You know, I think today's consumer really loves to support brands that support what they do, right? So if you're a brand and you support some public land efforts um, that are pro-recreation, pro-access, you know, that's something that I would want to support because, you know, it supports our way of life. So, you know, I really think that, you know, it's really important for brands to take that step forward and really stand up and support what supports them. What's your advice to like a marketing manager that doesn't own the company, but maybe works at a ski company. We have, we have a lot of those who listen to the podcast. How can, how can people make a difference even if they aren't necessarily in the C-suite? Um, gosh, every company is, you know, so different. Right. And I think it's that internal culture, um, that often dictates, you know, you can't, if you're part of a company and you're just the one-off that only, you're the only one that feels strongly about something then it's really hard to like steer the brand that way. Right. But oftentimes, you know, especially in the recreation space, I mean, it's true across the board, regardless of segment, so many of these companies and businesses, it's fueled by passion. And the reason that other people want to work for your business is because they're passionate about the same things. So if you can just communicate really positively and proactively where where your passion lies and, and what you really care about, um, I think that's kind of the sweet spot. Um, don't, you know, you don't have to like step out and speak out on something you don't understand, just follow your passion. And I think that's where your consumers probably lie as well. Absolutely. That's, that's some good advice. So your podcast, this episode airs this Thursday, which is November 1st. And so it's very, very timely and relevant. What's going on in Montana's primaries that people should be aware of from an outdoor and recreational standpoint? 
Oh, gosh. Um, in general, I mean, just everybody needs to really, you know, step out and educate themselves voting. I love that the outdoor recreation space, everybody's just get out and vote, you know, figure out what you stand for and what you believe in and, and go out there and get out there and vote. Um, and so, you know, in Montana, we've got a lot of initiatives that people need to educate themselves on and, you know, make sure you're looking at your candidates and figuring out, you know, what's right for you and um, what's right um you know, what you believe in, but more, most importantly is just get out and vote. Um, a good buddy of mine, he runs another, he runs a podcast here out of the state and, um, it's in the hunting realm. And I was just listening to his, um, podcast with Senator Tester and he announced to everybody, he was like, if you don't vote, you shouldn't listen to my podcast. I don't even want you listening. I was like, wow, way to go. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I just think it's so, I mean, just, I mean, starting with just getting out and voting. Um, and it's really so much easier than we might think to get information on the issues. It seems confusing at first, but if you just take a little bit of time to reach out and educate yourself, um, I think that's, and educate other people too, like help other people learn and understand where the issues lie. And then what are some good resources for people in Montana who are trying to like play catch up and vote and, you know, they only have a few days to get it together. Yeah, well, um, so I um, I like to find, you know, a lot of organizations out there um, do a lot of the research for you. So I think that it's important to, like, figure out, you know, where where your priorities lie. So let's say public land is really important to you to find an organization that you trust and work with. And then they can provide kind of the cliff notes on, you know, what initiatives and how they affect public lands or, um, you know, the the ballot measures um, and also the candidates too. Oftentimes they're able to provide you with a lot of information on, you know, where candidates lie on issues. So I do really like to work with organizations that um, monitor this, like that's what they do. They monitor where candidates lie on certain issues. Do you want to name any of those organizations? Um, you know, like for example, like if you, you know, work up, if you like public lands, you know, backcountry hunters and anglers is a great, um, advocacy organization for, you know, public land issues and, um, can help you, you know, understand, um, what's going on in each state with, as it regards to that. That's a great example for people. Do you have a hard time retaining top talent or even finding top talent? Well, get used to it because I know a creative agency called Wheelie Creative and they're so good at their job that your business is going to have to hire all the people to try to keep up with the work that we bring in for you. WheelieCreative.com. Sorry about your hiring problem. It's pretty, pretty relevant. It's interesting too, like when you get on Instagram right now, all the pro skiers are like holding up signs that say vote. And, you know, Jeremy Jones is like the poster child for voting and protect our winners. So I, I do find that to be an interesting and cool thing that's going on. Have you, are you on board with that? Oh, heck yeah. No, it's super. I love seeing it. I love seeing all of this, you know, proactivity. And, you know, I think it's, you know, gosh, REI is constantly, you know, saying get out there and vote. Patagonia, I think, is aren't they giving all of their employees and staff the day off so they can go and vote? Um, and so it's really cool to see all these companies and organizations um, really taking that initiative and trying to help people participate. Um, you know, I was, I always, you know, I feel before, 
I was kind of your, your average American, you know, I definitely was a person that I would go out to the, you know, go out and I would vote. And, you know, I, I thought I did the best I could to educate myself. And honestly, I look back on it and I was like, yeah, no, no, I wasn't. And, um, I think the biggest, the biggest thing that I love seeing the get out and vote thing, but then it's after the fact, you know, the way that our our, our country works is, you know, if we stay involved after the fact, and it's, you know, this constant communication with our elected officials, whether you elected them or not, um, they're still the elected officials. And so you still need to communicate with everybody and say, Hey, this is what's important to me. I would love for you to take measures towards this or, Hey, what the heck are you doing? This is not what we stand for. Right. And so it's this constant communication is really how, you know, our system works the best. And so I've tried to make a conscious decision to be a more informed and interactive after the fact voter, like actually keeping track of at least some of these issues and, you know, trying to, you know, be that voice that's making the call, that's writing a letter. And it doesn't take that much more time out of your day. Well, that's interesting advice for sure. Um, how you know how do you how do you recommend people keep up on on that type of activity? Yeah, I think it's the same way. I mean, you find the organizations that are tracking the issues that have you know folks that are you know paid to track issues based on you know a certain point of view that you have. So you know, figure out you know what it is you believe in and find those organizations that you know you trust and are giving you the best information. And they're the ones that are going to alert you and say, "Hey, this was just proposed. This is not something you know. This is what it would do. If you feel like this is bad, you should reach out." Um, and so, because none of us. Well, okay, not none of us. Maybe there's some like really super people out there that are actually like tracking, you know, um, bill introductions and and reading through everything and and really understanding it and consuming it. And that, you know, that's not where the average person has time. But there's people that really are very good at that, and that's what they do for a living. And so they can provide you with that great, you know, cliff note version of like, oh, this is what this bill does. This is what this means. If you agree with it, do this. If you disagree with it, do that. That's cool. It's it's nice that organizations will help people stay informed. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, you know, figure out what's important to you. Like if, you know, if, if climate change is important to you, you find those, we're going to, you know, protect our winters. And, um, you know, if, if fisheries issues are important to you, you've got Trout Unlimited, um, hunting issues, you know, you, you find there are amazing, amazing, you know, organizations out there that really track that information and can help you understand what's going on. Absolutely. That's, that's, uh, that's fantastic. And, um, physically in Montana, in Whitefish and in the Flathead Valley, is it harder for people to vote here because everything is so spread out in the state of Montana or what's your read on that? So, you know, I, gosh, I tend to think not, you know, that's an interesting topic, you know, here in Whitefish, you know, where I am, it's very easy. I was even talking with, I asked my brother, I'm like, Hey, you know, you live here. Where do you vote? He was like, Oh, I vote like two miles from here. And then I, it's the same way for me, like all the voting places. And, um, I don't, you know, I don't know if rural, you know, we've got such rural locations in Montana, you know, what that looks like. Is it hard for people to get to polling, polling locations, but you know, with the, I don't know, absentee ballots, um, it's just, it doesn't seem if you put a little effort into it, whether it's absentee or getting into the polls, you know, getting that set up, it just, I don't think anyone has any excuses anymore. That's, that's cold and hard. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. 
<laughs> we got no excuses. Um, that's awesome. I wish I were more like, I was like, oh, maybe I should do that absentee thing. And then I'm like, no, I'm too lazy. I like, I'm so close to the voting place. I'm just going to go there and do it and get my sticker. Yeah. You got to go get that sticker. I feel like that, like the sticker's the thing. Like it's like the cool kid thing. Like if you don't post a picture of the I voted sticker, you're really not cool on election day. It's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> um, what, yeah. What else do you think is like super unique challenge um, for Montana? I keep, this is totally off topic, but one thing that I'm just fascinated by is the the I keep hearing about bicycles getting to kids, like getting to teenagers to like help them get jobs in rural locations. Do you know about this? Uh, no, this is a thing in Montana. Yeah, that apparently like, you know, kids who live, ex- teenagers who live really, really rurally can't go get jobs and, um, you know, it impacts their socialization. And so there are a lot of organiza- organizations out there trying to get bicycles to teenagers. So I feel like if, if someone lives that rurally, that a bike's not going to help. Um, right. Yeah. They're going to need a vehicle. Um, my kiddo just walked in. So if you're hearing zipper, zippers and stuff, I apologize. Oh. <laughs> He's sitting down. He won't play his trombone though. I promise. Okay. Maybe he could. <laughs> um, yeah. I haven't, you know, that, um, that, I mean, that's an interesting concept, but like I said, like, that's cool. I don't think I could ride my bike as, if you live that rurally. Yeah. That's an interesting way of thinking about it and overcoming it. You know, that's one of the things um, that we talk about. We were just actually at the shift conference and, you know, a lot of brands or folks from different states and locations, they talk about that kind of this urban, the problem with, you know, barriers to recreation and urban environments. Mm-hmm. And the barriers in urban environments, I mean, it's actually like applicable to very, very rural environments as well that are surrounded by, let's say, you know, just private land. So opportunity for recreation isn't that great sometimes. Um, and same with, you know, tribal communities and reservations. Um, you know, it's it's these, you know, kind of um, underserved populations that, you know, experience um, similar things. Um, but yeah, I mean... I, unfortunately in Montana, definitely a driver's license is a helpful thing being the fourth largest state, um, and being able to drive places is unfortunately super important. (laughs) It really is like growing up in Colorado, you would just never be like, Oh, I'm going to go drive six hours to do something. And then I find myself, you know, driving eight hours to do things all the time here. Right. And then, you know, in Montana, like we do have, you know, limited, you know, like public transportation, but in Mont, you know, it's, it, it, we just, our population is so dispersed that, you know, public transportation is just not used like other states. Um, how do you feel about Kalispell just getting an REI? It's so exciting. <laughs> um, my, I've, I love, I've loved, loved working with REI. REI has been fantastic. I've been able to, you know, with them and work with them, um, you know, on a lot of different things are very involved, um, with our offices of outdoor recreation and, and, you know, we're part of the, um, you know, the confluence accords that we've been working on. So it's really cool to see REI come to the, um, come to the community They They do a great job at giving back and being so involved and, um, working with, you know, community trails programs and, um, different folks. So we're super stoked to have them up here. Um, 
and my kid, man, he is super pumped because he has a thing for backpacks mm-hmm. and for hiking shoes. And so he could not be more excited to have REI moving into the valley. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I love everything REI does for women and um, big, big fan of that. So yeah. I'm, I'm happy to have REI around. Oh, and they've been throwing such an awesome like events in the lead up. Like they're like the weeks leading up to the grand opening, they're throwing so many different events and, you know, public events, whether it's, you know, dance parties in Columbia Falls and storytelling events in Whitefish and, um, you know, it was like free climbing days at the climbing gym and just all sorts of stuff. So it's super fun to see them reaching out and getting the community involved. Absolutely. You know, a hot topic for us because we, we are so much immersed in the creative side of the outdoor industry. And that is typically a lot of photography and, um, you know, how do you, how do you feel? What's your stance on, on, um, like capturing these beautiful places and using them for marketing purposes? Like, do you find that that is something that irritates you or do you find that it's cool because it gets more people knowing about Montana? Like, how do you feel about all the photography and the drones and all the, all this capturing everything and kind of this Instagrammy culture? That's a hot topic. So gosh, well, my personal opinion, I love it. Um, I think that the more we can educate people about the amazing places and spaces out there, um, regardless of how we're, I mean, the more we can educate people on their existence and why we care about them and why they're amazing and how they look spectacular, I think better because then the more we have, you know, the more people we have caring about them. And so, I mean, I love seeing the, you know, I love seeing all of that. The thing that I was really, you know, and I was, you know, doing brand management at Kimber. Um, that's, you know, I do a lot of hunting, um, geared like photography, photo shoots, um, all that kind of stuff. The thing that I try to be really conscious of is to have it be super inspirational and aspirational, but it has to be attainable in the same token. Um, I don't, I get super irritated when it's like, everything's turned into this super extreme, you know, like, Oh, it has to be like, you know, so extreme. And like, you have to hike to the top of the mountain to be like, cool. Like I get, it's a little bit frustrating. Like I think if we can also show these attainable, um, you know, aspirational things as well, I, I think that that would help us all out in the long run. Um, so just those everyday moments and those beautiful places, I think can be just as impactful and maybe provide more of an avenue for connection for people. Um, I mean, I love, don't get me wrong. I love seeing the, like people skiing off of a, you know, cliff and then down like 3000 vertical feet out of a helicopter, super cool. Um, but you know, I, sometimes I think it's like, well, I'm, I can't connect to that. I don't really care about that. Cause it's not something I'm ever going to do or I can't do. Right. So it's, it's like this, you know, a balance I think is, is super important. Nice. Um, is that how people feel or is there like an, is there like a rub out there that I am not aware of? I think a lot of people feel like it's like a bastardization of wild places. Like, um, you know, and they want, to keep these places sacred and feel that, you know, Instagram is ruining the outdoors. And I think like that's, there's a pretty polarizing opinion on that. I lean a little more with you where I think if people can appreciate it and love it, then they'll care about it. 
Well, and that just leads to, I mean, if we can have, let's try and like have a more in-depth conversation. And, and I, again, I think it's really important, you know, if, if you look at, um, gosh, you know, the people at the turn of the century, you know, the mirrors of the world and all of those folks who were fighting the fights that we're now a generation or two removed from to save all of these amazing spaces and, and, you know, that were leading the way in conservation, they all understood that, you know, you have to, you know, introduce and allow people some sort of like connection to these places. And, you know, having a lot of people love something and care about something and willing to fight for something is a much better case to be in than something existing and needing someone to fight for it and not having anyone there to do it. So, you know, pick your poison, um, you know, I, I definitely think having more people care and want to fight for something is is a better situation to be in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I think people do take it too far. And like my new favorite account on Instagram is called You Did Not Sleep There. Oh, my God. I have to uh, for this. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and it, I mean, it pokes fun at like how far things have gone, like, you know, where people have their sleeping bags at Horseshoe Bend or there's like a dog cuddling a kitten and on top of a mountain, you know, all this like silly, ridiculous stuff that people are like going in and they're specifically climbing to the top of something and setting up all their photos and their lights. And um, I mean, yeah, that is a little different than the actual experience of being outside and enjoying the outdoors. So I think, I think it's an interesting um shift you know from obviously it's the highlight reel and it's not it's not reality but yeah some of these shots are ridiculous or there's like an account where this this woman just takes a porcelain bathtub and places it under waterfalls is that an artsy thing is that what that is i don't i don't know so you know i think i think uh i think that's where people are upset and think instagram is ruining the outdoors but um you know, at least it gets people hiking with a bathtub and that's got to be good exercise. I mean, were people making the same <laughs> argument when National Geographic magazine came out? Were they like, oh, National Geographic's ruining the world, right? Like, it's just, there have been people who have been sharing information and photos about these places forever. And yes, it's like more readily accessible and available than it ever has been because of technology. Like we've been trying to share the message and show this stuff, but yeah, I mean, keeping it real, that's awesome. Like I'm never going to haul a freaking bathtub in someplace. Although I will say I did haul a nomad bath or a nomad hot tub <laughs> on a river one time. Um, but yeah, that sounds good. keep it real. Super important. Keep it real. Absolutely. And then of course it, you know, it ties into like um, crafting, diverse you know diverse landscapes and and in integrating a diverse culture into the photography of the outdoors and so it's all coming back to like instagram and how we capture how we have people identify and you know should we have a more diverse um you know athlete pool and so that more people out there can identify with what it feels like to be outdoors and they're not just seeing photos of caucasian dudes out slaying things yes amen yeah. So that's, that's, that's kind of like a big part of what we do over here at Wheelie. Um, 
in terms of really, really, really thinking about the photos that we're taking before we take them. I love it. I would love for someone to look at my Instagram account and like comment on where I go right and where I go wrong. That would be great. <laughs> oh, well, that that's a perfect segue. I was just going to say, where can our audience um, follow you and keep up with with what you're doing? Uh, well, professionally in my um, office um, Instagram yes. and it's just Office of Outdoor Recreation. Super easy to find. Montana Office of Outdoor Recreation. And then for me, I'm at M T R A E R A E. It's Montana Ray Ray. Of course it is. <laughs> Montana Ray Ray. Cool. I'm following you now. Um, awesome. Well, yeah. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And uh, it comes out this Thursday, so I'm sure people will be stoked. It's very timely. Awesome. Thanks so much, Rachel, for being on the podcast. You guys can follow her professionally on the Montana Office of Outdoor Recreation website. And um, obviously, she mentioned her social handles, but we will put all those show notes on the website and uh, feel free to follow her. Follow along and keep up on all Montana's coolest projects and issues and all the things that make this place unique. Hope you guys have a great week and I will talk to you next week. Bye.